Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletic Show. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to this edition of the PowerCat Postgame Podcast. Kansas State absolutely rolls the Baylor Bears as anticipated. And I mean that. I thought this would be a blowout. I thought this was a mismatch for Baylor at home with Kansas State. This K-State team loves playing at home. They've been dominant, 59-25. Cole Carmody here with me, Tim Fitzgerald, as we wrap that up and move you on to the Sunflower Showdown, a.k.a. the Abolition Bowl. I like that. I'm going with that. I think that's good. We should celebrate our history of the state. This state is so much more than the Wizard of Oz and Sunflowers. Oh, boy. Baylor sucks. That's it for the podcast. Cole, uh, uh, if I'm a Baylor fan, I am beyond upset by the product I'm seeing on the field. I just want to start there because I want to mm-hmm. – look, K-State played well, but if you start breaking down the stats and looking at them, that is not a 59-25 game. Mm-mm. They got two defensive scores. They got uh, essentially a special team score on them, but it was more Baylor, They bad snap. But K-State was coming, and they got Matthew Mashmeyer got the uh, recovery and uh, scored next play, I think, two yards out. So they basically got, got, got three free touchdowns. Dude, it's still 38-25, even if you take those yeah. away. Yeah. And Baylor threw everything they could, every little piece of trickery to make something happen. Dave Aranda, that, that, that team has gone from Big 12 championship two years ago to trash. I wasn't on the boat train of fire Dave Dave Aranda, but I mean, after watching that game, it's like there were so many little things that they did wrong. Oh. They dropped a lot of passes. Yep. There were some pre-snap penalties. The offensive line is horrible. I mean, yep. horrible. I, I feel bad for Blake Shapin. He's good, man. Because he's a good quarterback. If I'm Blake Shapin, I'm getting the hell out of there because he can go somewhere and help a team win. And um, it's unfortunate because I really like him. I think I, – honestly, I like Baylor. Everything that they've done uh, with, that fo- with that football program, like, I mean – they have built themselves back up. At least we thought they did. Mm-hmm. And now they are getting torn down again. And it's amazing that this is happening two years after a Big 12 championship. But it's it's, it's a lesson to be learned, right? Like, 
we thought Oklahoma State was dead in the water last year. Or sorry, um, last year going into this year, which, right. I mean, they might be dead in the water again after what just happened to them in, in Orlando. But uh, K-State fans, realize what you have because your team is in a lot better shape than a lot of other teams in this conference. And that is definitely true when it comes to the Baylor Bears. Yeah, it uh, it was not a good performance for Baylor, but it was a good performance for Kansas State. And let's just get there right now. Will Howard mm-hmm. now owns the career touchdown mark, uh, passing Josh Freeman with three touchdown passes. You need two to tie and three to get there. Closing in on the single season record you noted in the, during the course of the game. That's a held by L. L. Roberson. Mm-hmm. But Will Howard, it's been an amazing journey of frustrations and persistence for this young man. And he said it after the game. I can't imagine myself, the kid that came in and played as a true freshman through three interceptions against West Virginia and was so bad to get through all of that and be here holding that record is unbelievable. It is. And, you know, you look at his season stats and he looks like the quarterback that everybody thought he was going to be coming into the season. Right. Uh, he hasn't thrown an interception Um Take out the Texas interception. He hasn't thrown an interception in weeks, um, and he's looked really good. I think that Texas Tech game really lit a fire under him because if you go and you look at his stats ever since that moment in time, he has been tremendous. He's played like the best quarterback in the Big 12, and this was the guy that everybody thought they would see. And and honestly, Fitz, he had a rough game against Oklahoma State, but – all the numbers before and after that are really good. I think people got caught up in Avery um, being special against Texas Tech. And because he is special. Right. He is special. He's a special talent. And they still need to find ways to use him. But people got caught up in the fact that Avery had a great game. And they decided to, to leave Will out for dead. And um, he's the kind of kid who when his back is put up against a wall, he's going to fight. And he's either going to go down swinging or he's going to claw his way out and He's clawing his way out, and he's he's just carved out an incredible career for K-State. Will Howard, 19 of 29, zero interceptions, as Cole said, 235 through the air, three touchdowns. He was sacked once. Blake Shapin was 22 of 45 with a pick, <laughs> and it was a pick six. Um, four touchdown passes, which is kind of amazing, but he was sacked three times as K-State came after him quite a bit. Cody Stuffelbean with an incredible sack, fumble, forced, um, hit him from the blind side, ball came out, and Des Purnell picks it up for a touchdown. Later in the game, Keenan Garber has that pick six. Cole, three Kansas kids right there. You know I love my Kansas kids. Yep. Um, Cody Stuffelbean came to K-State as a tight end. Keenan Garber came to K-State as a wide receiver. Both of them had touchdown impacting plays on the defensive side of the football. Yep. Des Purnell is a safety who's now playing yep. linebacker because, according to his defensive coordinator, his ass was too big for the safety <laughs> room. I, I still love that quote. Yeah. I mean, that just goes to show, right? Like, you know, what we do is we cover recruiting. And you look at kids and you try and project kids. And that's how coaches get kids to Kansas right. State. They project them. But whenever kids get into a program, man, there's just something that happens. And Credit Cody Stuffelbean because that is a guy last year who, let's just be honest, at times was not good. No. And he has turned it around. He's become explosive. He's I saw him in post. I was shocked at how big he is. And some of those images of him, I mean, he, he is cut up. He, he has completely turned around his game. And with some guys on his heels, he's been able to carve out a really nice role. And, I mean, this is his, probably the best game he'll ever have in his career. 
Oh, it was impressive. He's got more career ahead of him. He could mm-hmm. continue to get better. They've got some great young DNs in the pipeline. Uh, this could be um, really significant for K-State to have him step forward this way. This was just a team victory. And I've been hard on the special teams, and they deserve it. I mean, setting aside the punter, Jack Bloomer had another really solid performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they had one decent kickoff return. It finally looked like they were going to get something out, and, and Trayshawn Ward got snagged at the end, but still got it out to midfield. Other than that, special teams was awful again. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, they hit their extra points. They hit a field goal. Okay, all that's fine, but I, I, I'm – they're giving up too much yardage in re- the return game. Yeah. Um, and they're just, they got fooled on an onside kick. They got fooled on a fake field goal that was obviously a fake to everyone, apparently, except the players on the field. It was only executed poorly, saving K State from an embarrassing touchdown. Um, I'm beyond frustrated with the special teams. This shouldn't be happening at Kansas State University. It, it just shouldn't. It, it's like uh, being in the Big Ten and not knowing how to run the football. <laughs> it's just frustrating. Yeah, yeah, I don't understand it, to be completely honest. And, you know, we sat here for weeks and said something is going to happen when the special teams. And did it bite them against Texas? If you want to say the missed field goal, like, yeah, I'll listen to that and the and the, the missed snap. And that's what people see. Uh, that's what most fans see with special teams. But you're right, Fitz. It's so much deeper than that, right? Like Jack Bloomer, you know, we, we're not in the huddle. We don't know what the play is. But he's able to – boot that ball but i do wonder sometimes hey if it's a punt right and you punt it left or you punt it down the middle of the field right that impacts coverage right and so we're we don't know what's going on but sometimes i feel like you know there can be some blame placed back because it was such a good punt hey great job for booting it but we want you to kick it down to the right or we want you to kick it to the left i think that probably attributes it a little bit but um yeah just the coverage you'd like to see get better yep Yep, very frustrating. But overall, Kansas State was outstanding. <clears throat> Cole, what is it about this K-State team inside that stadium? Look, I know TCU, Houston, and Baylor are all towards the bottom of this conference, but they have knocked the ever-living crap out of all three of those teams, um, emphatically winning the game and in a conference where the games are typically close. Mm-hmm. It's been really awesome to see what they're doing at home. You know that they've scored more than 40 points in every single home game? That's incredible. I, I, I want, if that happens against Iowa State, I highly doubt that's ever happened in a season at K-State where a team scores more than 40 points in every single home game. I, I mean, I don't know off the top of my head, but surely that hasn't happened. I don't know. I I, I don't know. But they're, they are on course to go unbeaten if they can come home and defend the home field that Saturday after Thanksgiving when Iowa State wanders into town for Farmageddon. Farm again. Now that's the name of a series, not the Sunflower Show. When was the last time K State went undefeated at home? Do you know that? Off the I, top I of don't. Head? I was just wondering that. I'm going to text my pal Ryan Lackey and ask him to mm-hmm. do that research because it's all in that book called A Media Guide that's that we right have. behind me. Yeah. And it's very heavy. Yeah. And I'm old. Reading. And and I just don't feel like I should be asked to lift things at my fragile state. But yeah, that's it was a very impressive game. The guy I loved the most in this game, and there were a lot, was DJ Giddens. Mm-hmm. That dude is a is like a bull. Yeah. I mean, he just goes through people. He has so much yard after contact. It's unbelievable. He's hard to bring down. 
But on top of that, he just kind of sifts through defenses and sees his spots. <clears throat> so many running backs put their head down and say, I'm going over here. And he just kind of picks his way and drives, steers through like a crowded parking lot out there. It's it's really fun to watch him operate. And he goes over 100 yards again. Um and that just sets a tone. That sets a tone from the point of attack with the offensive line getting it done, although I didn't think they were overly dominant. Mm-hmm. I thought he was just really good. Mm-hmm. But once you establish that run game, it just opens everything up, and Baylor couldn't stop the offense. DJ Giddens is averaging six yards a rush. Yeah, that's pretty good. Like, that's we're, that's elite numbers. He's got 744 yards. I'm looking at the statistics right now. I believe that's up to date uh, according to the good old ESPN.com uh, website. Um He's going to finish with a thousand yards. I I believe that you throw in a, a bowl game and then obviously uh, two more regular season games. He's got a good chance to finish at a thousand yards. An impressive season when we all thought that it would be fifty fifty, and maybe Treshawn Ward would even be that guy right. who would be the main running back. But you look down and there's Treshawn Ward, five yards a carry. I mean, this is a guy. This is a running back room that we are not giving enough credit to because they lost Deuce Vaughn. That is true. But they've been better at that position than they were with him last year. And that is not a knock on Deuce because we know how special Deuce was. But from a pure production standpoint, the running backs have maybe been the best position group on this offense. That's amazing. That's amazing. Leading receiver in this game is Phillip Brooks. Five targets, five catches. I think he was 6-6 six six last week on mm-hmm. targets and catches. 41 yards, uh, no touchdowns, but... Phil Brooks has turned into the go-to guy. He's both an explosive playmaker and the guy that Will Howard looks to when he needs a – if it's not Ben Sennett, it's Philip Brooks. Philip was a guy known for drops. He would always have a – just a how did you drop that mm-hmm. kind of play in every game, and now he's become so reliable mm-hmm. that his, t- his touchdown last week against Texas was big time. Yep. Uh, and he was reliable again. Ben Sennett, three catches. They threw the ball, I, I can't even tell here, five, uh, about 12 different players were targeted in this game. It looks like about nine of them actually had catches, uh, including, including I love this, uh, the first career touchdown for Christian Moore, uh, and uh, it got overshadowed because it was also Will Howard's record-setting touchdown. Uh, but Will said they will have shared custody of the ball. Yeah. Not that that was nice. That's good parenting right there. Yes, yes. I I love the game plan through the air. Yeah. And, you know, we've been critical of the receivers fairly at time, but they've really settled into those three guys and Jace Brown, Keegan Johnson, and Phil Brooks. And quite honestly, Fitz, I, I was impressed with Keegan Johnson tonight. Seven targets, only had three catches for 31 yards. But again, it's, I look at the targets more than I necessarily look at the actual catches. A lot of those targets are not necessarily indicative of Keegan Johnson not getting open as it is, oh, crap, the play's breaking down. Will knows he's going to try and throw to Keegan because Keegan right. has a chance to get open. Um, I, I think, yes, Phillip Brooks is the most consistent receiver on this team. But if you were to ask me... Of those three guys, who do I think has a chance to make the biggest play? I'm still going number 10. I know we haven't seen it you know, throughout the whole year. He's been super inconsistent. But he just has a different level to him that I think we haven't really seen. We saw a glimpse of it at Texas. But I saw him run a, like a little comeback route tonight, and it just completely broke off the defender. He's not even close. The Keegan Johnson's special, and you throw in Jace Brown. 
those two guys are going to have a chance to do some really special things for K-State the next two years. Indeed they will. Kansas State absolutely rolls through this game, 59-25 over the Baylor Bears. As Kansas State, i got to find the records now. I'm just, I, I, I'm not good at this. Seven and three. Thank you. Seven and three, five and two mm-hmm. in the conference. Baylor falls to three and seven and two and five. Their two wins are Cincinnati and UCF, and UCF was... Um, one of the worst teams in the conference until today. My goodness. My goodness. They're better as the Citronauts. <laughs> they wore their, their blues. They, That's right. They use their old logo, the Citronauts, their old Mark um, mascot. I love it. Uh, I wish they had such a cool logo and they look. They can m- merge the blue and the black and it'd be a badass look. I, I think they should change, but... I'm not a UCF person, so I don't get a vote. We're, we're recording this podcast during the Texas and TCU game. I think Texas has been in the red zone, it seems like, almost every single play, and they've only scored uh, one touchdown in four trips. That, it's, uh, it's just amazing. Isn't that crazy? Well, <laughs> how do they not score touchdowns? I know. How they predicate their <laughs> offense on spreading the field and then don't have a layer of it for yeah. the red zone where you can't spread the field is beyond me. Uh, you would think uh, being an offensive genius, Sark could figure that out. This conference is utter chaos. Yeah, it is. It's insane. And I'm sure we'll talk about that more in the second half. But I, I just love what the Big 12 is right now, Fitz. I mean, it is so fun. And take Oklahoma and Texas out of it. And I don't think this conference is going to get worse. We're at a point right now. Brett Yormark was in the house tonight for the K-State Baylor game. I missed which, him. I wanted to talk to him. I think he wanted my autograph. I, I'm confused why he was here. I don't know necessarily. Really know. I don't know. He, I mean, it's obvious he wanted to see Will Howard break the record. That's right? it. That's definitely it. But um, you, you add in a Utah team who played Washington down to the the final possession today. I, this conference is in such a good shape. In good shape. In Arizona, even coming on strong as of late. So um, I'm excited for the future of this conference. But you know, this K State team, they've positioned themselves not just for the future, but for this year to maybe still be in that big 12 title race. And, um, we're going to have to follow it all week, obviously, but today was just an amazing win for them. And, you know, it it really cemented, I think that they are that third best team in this conference. Well, K-State did have three sacks by the, this is awesome. Colby McAllister with a sack. He played well tonight. And Cody Stuffel being with two. Mm. Uh, You would want a lot of money in Vegas if you bet that. As a threesome, I don't think they had it offered that. No. Des Purnell, leading tackler, with only five. There was a slew of guys with four. Um, and, of course, he had the scoop and score. I don't know, man. This was a good performance. Can I bring something negative Absolutely. up? Absolutely. I want to talk about Khalid Duke for a second. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't understand. Today's generation, and, and I was talking with our own Ryan Wallace that, about this, but we were at the Blue Valley High School and with the North game, and it's amazing the amount of – smack talking that goes on in on the field that's horrible and i'm to the point now where it doesn't matter what the score is it is a i am better than you even if my team is down i know 35 to 13 like they were when the, at that point and i'm sure the conversation after the game was hey man what are you thinking we are killing them you not only completely flipped the momentum but you got yourself ejected from the game now, I don't think he's going to have any kind of suspension. No. But still, like, that is just – that's something as a veteran player and as a leader on that defense, that is just inexcusable. And um, obviously I'm sure that's going to be taken care of. But, again, I just – I was really, really disappointed to see that happen. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I thought um, 
I thought he got baited into that and he took did. the bait. I mean, the guy was hanging on to him. He was trying to get free. Finally kind of pushed back a little bit. The guy took a swing at him. Dude, you won. Mm-hmm. You just got him ejected. Why did you continue and then take your own swing? I thought it, it – uh, yeah, I'm with you. I, look, a little trash talking is kind of fun. But now it's just nonstop on every play. Someone's chirping and talking crap, whether they got burned, whether they're getting their butts kicked in the game. It's just nonstop. Can you shut up and play? I, that's an old man talking. But no, it, it look, there's always been some trash talk, but you're right. It has gotten to a level now where it's. It's ridiculous. Well, I think Focus on the damn game, man. From an offensive lineman's perspective, from his perspective, he's pissed, right? He's getting his butt kicked by Duke. So why would you retaliate and put yourself in a position? Just laugh at it. Yeah. I mean, I, that's what you're supposed to do. You just tried to punch me. I have a helmet on. You're wearing protecting gloves where you can hit me all you want. It's not going to hurt. Oh, and guess what? You got to go take a shower because you're ejected. Right. Just laugh at him. Wow, that was I, I went full old man. That's okay. And it, by the way, if you're in my neighborhood, stay off my damn lawn. <laughs> and then you throw to boot on that that Jay Clifton gets hurt on the very next play. That was that was the worst two plays of the night yeah. for K State because it had really nothing to do with the outcome of the game. But that Clifton injury, I, I don't think it's as bad maybe as it initially appeared because talking to some of the players after the game, they said that, you know, he was in good spirits. He did walk off uh, under his own power into yeah. the locker room. So that's something to, to keep in mind, but Which yeah, is something I'm not capable of doing. Uh, yeah, I know. I mean, it's, let's be honest here. Kansas state wins big moving on to trip to Lawrence final road game of the season as the wildcats looked really good and will Howard stole the show. This is the PowerCat Postgame Podcast. Fitz and Coles right here in the GPC Cats and Dogs studio. We'll be back after this break. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Podcast continues after this short break. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat post-game podcast. Fitz and Cole right here in the studio wrapping up Kansas State's impressive 59-25 victory over the Baylor Bears. Bears stinky, Wildcats good. That's pretty much the summary of the game as Baylor uh, is is bad. Bad. I don't – do you – do you think this was the most boring of the games of the recent home games? I mean, we're talking 41 to 3 against TCU, 41 nothing against Houston. Those were actually bigger blowouts. But this game was just weird. It went on forever. There was a, it just took way too long. 
it, it, it just <sighs> TCU was surprising. I don't think anybody thought that game was going to be as much of a blowout as it was. And it was entertaining because Will was in, Avery was in, Will was in, Avery was in. Houston, it was one of those games where you could just tell Dana Holgerson knew they were going to get destroyed. Yeah. And then with Baylor, it was like, ugh, it was hard to watch. Cause you're like, oh my gosh, like they're just bad. Like, sorry for all of um, the Kansas City High School football people out there, but I made a comment at one point that it was like watching Bishop Miege play Bonner Springs. Like, like that's what it looked like, right? The, just yep. the, the absolute mismatch. Um, and um, again, sorry to all my, uh, my Bonner Springs people out there. I love you. Oh, boy. Just threw them under the bus. I know, but that's what it looked like. And um, yeah, it was, Baylor's just bad. Like I, their offensive line fits. I they saw, were horrible. I, it doesn't make any sense. Like how how do you not have any offensive line depth? K State's second string offensive line was better than Baylor's first string offensive line, and it wouldn't have even been close. Baylor ran the ball thirty five times for eighty five yards. You're barely over two. You're not even two and a half yards per carry. Uh, it's just unbelievable. Chris Kleiman brought up something really um, uh, important. That first of all, Baylor was four of seventeen on third down, and that became four of eight on fourth down. So um, they he counts it basically as four more turnovers because they turned it over on fourth down four times. K State's turned into a really good third and fourth down defense, and I I, I did a daily delivery on Joe Klanderman this week. I think he is vastly underappreciated as a coordinator. I think the stuff he's done now, granted, Chris Kleiman helps him. I mean, he's a former D.C., but Joe Klanderman's turned into a dude on the defensive coaching side of the ball. He has. I mean, the, the way the defense has figured it out after the Missouri game, and even at UCF, if you want to throw UCF in there, I mean, they played good against Oklahoma State. If you remember back yep. to that game, held them to a bunch of field goals. I'm impressed with this defense. And, you know, just by looking at that roster, you would not expect them to be putting up the numbers and be having the success that they're having. But Fitz, they're young. Mm -hmm. They are young. I mean, they could return eight starters on that defense, and it wouldn't be a shock. So, yeah, Joe Klinderman has really figured it out. And they're a better defense now than they were last year. Yeah, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, you take all those NFL draft choices, including four four NFL players on that defense. Yep, three on the back end, and Felix Andy Uzama. I mean, they it's um, it's amazing. It's amazing the job they've done, and they've done it by committee. I mean, there's been guys that are good, but there's no one you say on this defense, boy, he's a nightmare. Mm -hmm. And because they all kind of add up to a nightmare. I mean, how are you going to replace Felix by committee? Well, that doesn't work. Well, it sure as hell does. Yeah. I mean, they haven't got as maybe many sacks, but they have made a lot of quarterbacks uncomfortable and struggle getting the ball to receivers. I think it starts with the linebacker play. I just keep going back to that, right? Like when they lost Daniel Green, people, you know, rightfully so, extremely worried. Right. But Desmond Purnell, Jake Clifton, Austin Romaine, and Austin Moore – I mean, those guys are really stinking good. Yep. They are always where they need to be. They're always making plays. And they're the main reason why. I mean, when K-State gets pressure, it's a lot of the times because of the blitzing linebackers. So 
you know, credit the credit. I mean, let's give Steve Standard his flowers too. I mean, yeah. this is a veteran coach who's really helped transition that linebacking room. And yeah, I mean, the defense is the defense is legit. There's no way around, no other way to say say it besides the fact they are legit. Desmond Purnell's gone from la- the start of last year being a curious guy to put on the field. He's he's converted from safety. He's not really big enough for linebacker. And by the end of the year, he was really good. This year, you know, Chris Kleiman throws around accolades quite a bit. Mm-hmm. He's all Big 12, and sometimes it's we kind of laugh about it. When he said Desmond Purnell's playing in all Big 12 level, he was right. Mm-hmm. I, You know, I don't know all the linebackers in this conference. I don't vote on these things. I steer away from that. I, I focus on K-State and, and kind of big picture things. Des Purnell is a player, man. Yeah. He has come so far. He has... You know, when I saw him in fall camp, when he came to a media event, I was like, holy crap, how much weight you put on? It was like 25 pounds of muscle. Yeah. And and it didn't slow him down. Dude, he closed on Blake Shapin <laughs> and hit him after a pass today. That was frightening. Yeah. I mean, Blake Shapin thought a truck had hit him. He wanted roughing the passer because he got hit so hard, but it was a perfectly clean hit. The way the defense has transformed from last year is, think about this. Khalid Duke was playing that spot last year. He wasn't bad at it. He wasn't very good at it, but he wasn't bad at it. Yeah. Des Purnell is elite at yep. that outside linebacker He's position. He's learned, hasn't he? Yeah. Absolutely amazing. The tight ends continue to shine. Garrett Oakley with another touchdown coming from Avery Johnson. Um, you know, Ben Sennett is going to move on to the you know NFL after this. Chiefs. Chiefs. <laughs> and um, they're, they're in good hands. Mm-hmm. They got a pair of Swanson and, and Oakley are really good, and they're recruiting at that position, and it's a great, it's an incredible year for tight ends in the state of Kansas. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be, I, I love tight end play. I just absolutely love it, and it frustrated me when Bill Snyder got away from throwing to tight ends because he did a lot in it early in his career. <clears throat> then he just kind of got more conservative and used them as blockers. Poor Travis Tannehill had a good, you know, pass catching career but he's mostly a blocker Mm -hmm. and now colin klein's got the tight ends completely incorporated in this lineup they get mismatches but ben senate just does things that tight ends don't do that's why i think he's perfect for that chiefs offense is you know their tight end is not gonna play forever what's that guy's name swift yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i think he's just got tailored right yeah i don't know yeah Yeah, he's he's famous um but yeah i i think uh the tight ends, I I'm, I love tight end play. I just love it, and to see them use them, and what a great catch and run by Oakley. You know what's weird is that Garrett Oakley might be more of a traditional tight end than Ben Sennett. Yeah. Ben Sennett is that H-back, and I remember somebody asked, if you were to compare yourself to an NFL player, he said Kyle Juszczyk, who plays for the Niners. He's like a fullback tight end hybrid. He also mm-hmm. said George Kittle. Ben Sennett is a bruiser, right? Like, he'll catch the ball, and he'll run you over. Right. Garrett Oakley will run by you. Yeah, like he is a tradition, more of a traditional tight end, and I'm excited for his future because he is a player, and he's faster than Ben Sennett. I think um, he might be able to, you know, stretch the defense a little bit more. He is a matchup problem for the defense, but again, I credit the coaching staff, man. Like Brian LePack, another one of these guys, tight ends coach, just finding a way to get dudes in there figured out they go three tight ends more than probably any team in the big 12 and they have three quality tight ends and again benson at garrett oakley both have touchdowns tonight the way they're able to use those tight ends it is it is an it is a matchup nightmare and it will be for kansas iowa state you know potential big 12 championship game and the bowl game because they are that good so 
People are asking me for tiebreakers, and they are incredibly complicated in a league where you don't play everyone. Right. And, and folks, it's not easy for me to sit here and say, if this and this happens, K-State's in. The, the only way I can guarantee you that is Oklahoma State continues to lose and Oklahoma loses, and they can get a rematch with Texas. I mean, we saw Kansas fall out of a tie uh, with their home loss, which I, I, I'm not known for feeling sorry for Kansas, but losing Bean in that game was mm-hmm. really unfortunate. They should have won that game. They almost won it with their third-string quarterback, which is a testament to coaching. Um, what am I looking for here? It's right here in my hand. Cole, it's right here. I'm moving it out of the way to find it. Uh, Oklahoma State loses. They fall to 5-2. and two. Uh, Kansas is 5-2. and two. Oklahoma's playing right now. and uh, They should be winning. Yep, they should be winning, and they are. It's 31-14 at halftime, so that looks like a win. Um, th- that's the problem. Oklahoma's not going to have losses. And if Kansas State and Oklahoma end up tied – then they're going to have the tiebreaker. They didn't play head-to-head. They go to the best win, Oklahoma beat Texas. So that would put them back in that game, unfortunately. West Virginia is going to come out of this with a loss. Uh, Iowa State, that's a late night. we got a little Big 12 after dark here, um, which will be awfully fun uh, if I can stay up that late. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm built, I was better off for the Big 12 expanding West when I was much younger than I am now, Cole. They have five-hour energy for a reason. My God, that'd keep me up for like 30 minutes. Yeah. That's how bad it is. Uh, but yeah, Texas Tech moves into that four and three grouping, and uh, UCF with their second win. Absolutely. I 45 to three over Oklahoma State. Now, let's get into this a little <laughs> bit because I'm angry. I'm angry that I don't know more than Vegas. The line of two and a half for, you know, minus two and a half for Oklahoma State didn't make sense to me. They have the best running back in the league. And Ollie Gordon and UCF has the worst run defense in the league. What did they know? How did they know that this was not going to work? And then Ollie gets hurt, or did he? I'm, I'm you want to know why, Fitz? Because they played Bedlam and they won. This always happens to any kind of emotional game, an emotional setback. A team has a major win. I mean, obviously, that's not going to happen here with Texas and TCU as we just see a, Texas a touchdown for uh, the Longhorns. But, um, again, it's Oklahoma State. And Fitz, I just go back to it. They're not that good. Like, like, they're not that good. They're not as good as their record says. Like, at some point, you have to look at the product on the field. If you stop their running back, they're very beatable. And UCF, somehow, by the grace of God, found a way to stop the run today. Um, now, that's how they beat them. I will say, as far as the tiebreakers go, Things can get hairy, okay? Because if Texas does lose, it doesn't look like they're going to lose to this game to TCU. Um, it's definitely not over, but uh, they still have to go to Ames next week. And night games in Ames, you say it all the time. Teams from down south, traveling up north, cold environments, night games, not going to be easy. No. Not going to be easy. Iowa State's better than TCU. Um, so that's going to be tough. If Texas is five and two, Oklahoma State's five and two, K State's five and two, and OU's five and two, I, I honestly don't know what the whole tiebreaker situation would be because there's so many teams that haven't played each other. Oklahoma State hasn't played Texas, K State hasn't played Oklahoma, and so there's so many different little tiebreak. Oklahoma lost to Kansas, K State beat Kansas, assuming that they went out, and Oklahoma State beat Kansas. So there's so many different tiebreakers that have to trickle down. If you're a K-State fan and you want K-State to somehow make it to Arlington, at the end of the day, you want as many ties as possible. 
I firmly believe that. Well, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think if Oklahoma and Oklahoma State lose one more game, look, Oklahoma has to go to BYU next week. That's not going to be easy. And I, they haven't announced game times yet, right? No, they have not. That's going to be a night game. We probably won't hear till tomorrow because yeah. of the after dark game, Iowa State at BYU that I think BYU will win. And if you're listening, don't bet that because I thought uh, Oklahoma State would win. Uh, but if Oklahoma and Oklahoma State both lose another game, and K State wins out, they're all, they're three lost teams, and then yeah, I mean it's right there, it's right available for right. Is it uh, OU's? Yeah, two losses. Yeah, two losses. Who else did OU lose to? KU and who? KU and uh, who did they lose to? I was just looking at their schedule. Well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> at the end of the day, they have two losses. Um, KU and uh, and Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma yeah. State, yeah. So, yeah, if, if the both of them lose another game and K-State wins out, K-State's playing Texas in the Big 12 Championship. That loss by Oklahoma State today in Orlando changed everything. Everything. It made getting there much more tangible. Do they still need help? Hell yeah, but they needed help last year, and they got Texas losing to TCU that got them in the game when Kleiman wouldn't let me tell him the score. That was a great moment. That's great. He called me out again today. He did. Oh, my God. How um, do people understand he's very sarcastic about me? I, I do not think the Big 12 is easy. Can we can we go ahead and do a little exercise here? Yeah. Oh, hold on. Exercise? Like, no, no. Am I going to pull something? So Houston is losing. Is that dude? <laughs> okay, folks. Look, we're a dog-friendly environment here. And I gave the treats to the dogs when we came down. For some reason, dude just left his. And as soon as he left the room, Daphne just pounced on it, and you probably could hear her devouring it in the background. Um, she's very happy. She's got a double treat. Dude's weird. TCU just threw a pick right before halftime. Yeah, it's going to get ugly. So Houston is losing right now to Cincinnati as we record this. That oh, game's definitely not over. But, again, I just look at Houston. Again, they're desperate, right? I mean, this is a team. They got, same thing. Good, they got players. They do. And the same thing with BYU, right? They are going to be fighting for their bowl eligibility lives. Same thing with Houston. Oklahoma State has to go to Houston. How do you get off the mat in Orlando and then have to make another long trip to – I mean, it's not long, but it's not short. People don't realize. Like, yeah. It is – it's probably what, like a three-hour, two-hour flight? Yeah, I don't know. Close to that, but either way. And then you're in Houston. Yeah. Just, but yeah. that's going to be a tough game for them. And honestly, if I were to bet the spread, I would assume that Oklahoma State would probably be similar to the spread in, in – in Orlando, I bet they, they're a two-point favorite, maybe. So that's going to be a tough game. And, you know, then you look at Oklahoma. You just mentioned it, having to go on the road to BYU. Um, there is no easy game in this conference. Let that be known. But if you're a K-State fan, you have to feel like your team has way more of a shot after the results that happened today than how you felt before. I agree. We done? I'm just going to say it. K-State's going to play Texas in the Big 12 championship. There we go. That's Cole Carmody. I'm Tim Fitzgerald. We appreciate you listening. Kansas State absolutely knocks the snot out of Baylor. Slobber knocker? Was that a Slobber knocker. Uh, David Smale used that. Um, the young people were confused. 59-25 over the Bears. I fear Bears but not Dave Aranda's Bears for very good reason. We appreciate you listening. And also, I am told it is currently 8.15 as we record. This should be up around 8.30. And Kansas State is going to drop a very emotional social media post 
about Will Howard's record at 8.30, or so I'm told. We appreciate you listening. Thank you for listening to the Power Cat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.